So we want to spend just a few moments um, before we start singing any other songs. And um, you know, I, I usually teach a, a message on worship once every year or two. And I think it's important for us to really understand what is worship before we actually come and do this. So what I want to do tonight is try to communicate and tell you what worship is. Because really, until we understand what it is, we will never really understand how to do it. And But I have good news for you. Every single one of us that's here tonight, you're great worshipers. Every one of us are great worshipers. Because the root word for the word worship is the word worth-ship. So whatever it is that we find worth in... That's ultimately what we worship. And some of you, it's a, it's a sport that you play and that you're just so into it and you're practicing daily, you're training, you're, you're playing, you're doing all these things. Some of you, it's a sport. Some of you, it's a boy or a girl that you find worth in. Some, it's, it's money or material possessions that you find your worth in. You have to have the latest, whatever it is. For me, if I can be honest with you, it can be disc golf. It can be fantasy football or just watching football in general. It can even be my family, guys. There are times that I place my worth in these things more than I place my worth in God. And as long as there have been people on this planet one thing that, 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 that there has never been a shortage of, and that is people who worship. Every culture, every civilization since the beginning of time, people worship something. And Paul knows this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 17. Paul is going to Athens, Greece. And, and when he gets there, he notices that the Greeks have all these idols. All these idols are, are everywhere and they have this, this idol of this over here and this idol, idol of that over there. And they even wanted to make sure that they had all their bases covered. So at the very end of the road, they had another idol that just simply said to, a, to an unknown God. In case we miss something with all these other idols, there's one more that is to an unknown God. In Acts chapter 17, starting verse 22, Paul is, is going and this is what he says. So Paul standing in the midst of Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, says, I perceive that in every way that you are very religious. For as I pass along and observe the objects of your worship, note that these people were not Christians. They were not believers. They didn't even come to surge on a weekly basis. But they were worshipers. It says, for as I pass along and observe the object of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So what therefore you worship as on unknown, this I proclaim to you. Paul's like, you have all these war, uh, idols that's down the road and there's one that you don't even know who it is. There's this void that you have inside of you and you're trying to fill that void with these idols. And Paul's like, guys, can I tell you about this unknown God that you're trying to fill that void with? And he goes on in verse 24, it says, the God 
who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Paul gets the preaching award. His message is so simple. It's like, hey guys, I noticed that you have all these idols and down at the end of the road, there's one more that says to an unknown God, can I tell you about him? He created the heavens and the earth, the world, and he's given life and breath to everything and everyone. And he put something inside of each of us that would cause us to look and to search for something or someone. His message was simple and his message was to the point. So what you need to understand is that all of us are worshipers. We don't need any improvement on that. The issue for me and the issue for you is not the, the quality of our worship, but rather it's the object of our worship. So Paul didn't roll into to Athens saying, wow, you guys really don't know how to worship. No, he said, wow, you guys are amazing, amazing worshipers. But there's something still missing. And he helped them focus on what was missing. So I'm not going to stand up here and tell you how to worship because you guys know how to do that. You know how to. If you don't, just go to a K-State football game. And you will see some amazing worshipers. I mean, look at them. They let their hands raised. They're clapping. They're smiling. Some of y'all need to get a, take note of that. Some of you look so angry when you worship. Think about his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness. That should put a smile on your face. Don't worry, KU fans, I got you too. I mean, these KU fans, both of them are worshiping. All right. Or go to a concert. Like you would think this was a worship service, but he has a beer in one hand and his hands raising on the other. Guys, this is amazing worship. This is a country concert. Amazing worship. You guys don't need me to teach you how to do this. You know how to. My goal tonight is not to, not to teach you how, but for us to learn how to be true worshipers. Jesus doesn't talk a lot about worship, but the one time, one of the times he did was in John chapter four. He's speaking to this woman and I've used this passage before talking about worship, but he's talking to this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. And later on in this conversation, this happens. He says, but the hour is coming and is here now here when the true worshipers. So Jesus draws the, the distinction between false worshipers and true worshipers. 
He's saying, he's assuming that there's worshipers out there and he's saying that some of those worshipers are not true worshipers and there's a time coming when the true worshipers, true worshipers will do what? Will worship the who? The Father. Don't miss this, guys. That Jesus defines true worshipers not by how they worship, but by who they worship. That's what defines us as true worshipers. Then he goes on. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking. We'll come back to that in a second. Such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. Notice here that the Father is seeking. He is seeking worshipers. In this world that you and I live in, where so many things are pulling for our attention. Grades, sports, girls, guys, so much stuff is pulling and trying to grab our attention. God is also in the midst. And he is looking and he is searching for worshipers, not just worshipers, but true worshipers who worship the Father. He is seeking. He is looking for true worshipers. Who are they? They are the people who's got the thing of ultimate value and to center their affection. They're the people who, who's moved the ultimate value, which is God, into the center of their affections. And they have begun to live a life of worshiping in spirit and truth. And he is seeking. It doesn't say that we're seeking out God. No, he is seeking us. He is seeking us out. In the midst of all these idols that this world has to offer, God is looking for a man and a woman. He's looking for a young man and a young woman who has come to understand and know God. Notice what he's not looking for. He's not looking for the best communicators. He's not looking for the most charismatic leader. He's not looking for the richest of the rich. He's not looking for the most popular or the football star or the one with the most Instagram followers. He is looking for true worshipers. Jesus said in Matthew, he says, the people, these people, they honor me with their lips, which we can do that a lot. We can honor God with our lips. Sorry. says, but their hearts, they're far from me. In vain do they worship me. So what we want you to do is strip away any distractions that you may have. And let's put God at the center. Let's put God at the center of our affections and our attention for the next 30-ish minutes. As we sing some songs and let's be true worshipers. And here's the thing. Our outward expression needs to match our inward emotions, our inner reflection. 
In other words, we have lots of outward things that we do with the worship, right? There's the raising of the hands. I can go back to the picture. There's the clapping. There's the kneeling. There's the bowing the heads, lifting the head. There's all types of ways that we outward reflect our worship. But it must coincide with what is happening in the heart. Because let me tell you, you can have your hands raised. You can do whatever and still, your heart could be thinking about the person beside you or about this or your, your struggles or whatever it is. And there's a disconnect. So this is hard. Because I think all of us has a little bit of ADD in our, in, our, in our lives. So to make God the center of our affections. And what usually what happens is when you think about God's faithfulness and you think about God's mercy and his grace and his love, when you think about these things, usually what happens is it's an automatic, just you want to express to God how great he is. So usually what happens on the inside of your heart is being expressed to the outside. Now, listen, I'm not saying you have to be out. There's times that I would just sit with my eyes closed. I don't even sing songs. And that's a lot of times my most intimate times of worship. But what I am saying is, if you're having an outward expression of your worship, make sure that your heart is in in, in step with that, in tune with that. So we're going to have an extended time of worship tonight. And I'll come back up and lead us to another time of, of worship in a few minutes. But right now, right now, as we kick off this, this time of worship, again, have the freedom. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to get away, get away. But use this time to be true worshipers. Where Jesus is at the center of our focus. I'm telling you, there's probably 200 of us here tonight-ish. If we get a hold of this, if we understand this, where it's not just a, 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 a worship once a week, but it becomes a lifestyle of worship in our lives every single day, we're going to see some really cool things happen at Surge this year. And that's a whole other message about having this lifestyle of worship. One of my favorite definitions of worship is this right here. I usually throw it up there, but I, I'm, I didn't tonight. Worship is our response. So it's when God shows us how good he is and we respond to that. It's our response, both per- personally and corporately. So personally is me and God, just us two. Corporately is also important. Worship is our response, both, both personally and corporately to God. True worship, right? For who he is. Like, who is God to you? He's faithful. He's merciful. He's gracious. For what he's done, what has he done for you? Think about those things. That should lead you to worship. Express in by the things that I say, the prayers, the songs, the decorations, and by the way I live. So worship is our response, both personally and corporately to God. For who he is, for what he's done, express in by the things that I say and the way that I live my life. Worship doesn't end at 8.30 tonight when we walk out these doors. It should be a continuation. And when you come here next Wednesday, you should not come here to worship. 
You should come here as a continuation of worship, what God's been doing in your life for the past week. So Ben next week shouldn't have to prompt you to worship. But as Ben starts leading us in worship, you should be able to catch on really fast and just join in from what's happening in your life the whole week. That definition, by the way, is from Louis Giglio. Um, that worship is our response. So we want to take some time now to respond to God through corporate worship, but also through individual worship. It's you and God, you and God right now. Jesus, I pray that as we enter this time of corporate singing through song, that worship through song, that you would just clear away distractions in our lives so that we can truly focus on you and you alone. Cause my prayer that every single one of us here tonight will be true worshipers and that we will worship you, God, in spirit and truth. So we commit this time to you. And God, we pray this all in your name. Amen.